0: You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. Christian Babcock the host of the Hunters Advantage podcast and what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts all in all I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high quality knowledge and information that you can trust stay tuned I am here with Skip Peterson um, from Gearhead Archery and Skip, could you just start off by just telling the listeners who you are and uh, what you do at Gearhead?
1: All right, I'm Skip Peterson with Gearhead Archery. Um, we make compound bows, crossbows, and slingshot. So um, we've been we've been working on bow technology since 2008, and um, we've grown the company to you know before we were always looking to come up with ideas to. Sell to other companies, Um, but uh, when we got when we designed the T series bow, it just it shot to that point where we looked at each other and said, "We're not selling this one. We're gonna we're gonna even if it takes us a little longer, we're gonna take this one to the market and let everyone enjoy what the what the Gearhead T series uh, feels like when you shoot it. that's, That's what we that's what we that's the road we've been going down.
0: Yeah. So what is uh what would you say? Your role in that specifically is: Are you uh, like marketing director? Are you designer, engineer? What does that look like for you?
1: Well, we're a lot of hats. I guess I guess the one that kind of sums a lot of it up is like the director of operations. So I kind of, you know, I'm involved in the marketing. I'm involved with some designs. Um, even if we get in a pinch, you know, even building bowls and that. When you're when you're a young company starting out, I mean, you just you have to wear a lot of hats. And you know, as you grow and grow and grow, well, then you, your hats get fewer and fewer and fewer, and you get more focused on on what you need to do. So, I mean, right now, um, yeah, I was more involved in the marketing side of things, but we um, uh, we partnered with a, a marketing group out of Wisconsin here called Bass Durban, so they're taking a lot of the load off of me now on that. With like the social media side of things, the print ads, and just uh, the look and feel of the Gearhead ads and stuff um, being created are going to go out. So, so that was a little bit taken off my plate. But, um, but now you know we're looking for next year, and it's like um, you know how can we, what features on the Gearheads can we improve, improve for next year and that? So, I mean, we're kind of you know going down that road right now and seeing what we can, uh, what we can bring to the market in twenty twenty.
0: I think just the bow market. And as you know holistically is getting um i don't know if saturated is the right word but there's a lot of like companies popping up you know like obsession expedition gearhead just mm-hmm. new ones uh, just ones that you know that aren't matthews and and PSE and stuff like that so what was it and obviously you guys's bows look incredibly different than most and so what well, if, was well
1: we went if we weren't different we wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, we went. We went. I mean, there's a lot of great bows out there. Every Every company makes a great bow. I mean, it's same with you know, people can get in the argument of cars. You know, like Ford, Chevy, da 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 da. I mean, you look at the manufacturing processes and stuff like that. You know, we, we all have the same technologies and stuff of how things are made, and it's all good. You know, I look at, at all the bows, and there, it's just a personal feel of what what you like. And like I said, if if, if we didn't have something that was different we wouldn't be doing this. I mean, we're not, the the market is pretty well saturated. And unless you have something that sets you apart from the others, uh, you really don't have anything. You're just putting, you know, different lipstick on the same technology. It's just, you know, that's basically what it is. But, you know, when we first designed the, well, we started with the T18 was our our very first model. And, um, you know, my partner at the time, Paul, he, he did a lot of the design work on that and he shot it and kinda kinda looked surprised and he handed it to me and I shot it and I was just like was like wow this shoot's really good. I mean there was there was a solid back wall, there was no hand shock. It was perfectly balanced and, you know, that was when we looked at ourselves and just said, Well we're we're not gonna sell this one. We're gonna we're gonna you know take this one to the finish line so mm-hmm. so that's kinda that's kinda the path that we've we've chosen and then from there we've we've grown from a small bow all the way up to this year a 40 inch axle to axle bow. So I mean, basically we've taken the same technology and we just elongated it into different models because some people prefer different axle to axle lengths and um, some people like different string angles and things of that nature, De- depending on what you want. I mean, if you are look for a hunting bow or target bow or, or just an all around, you know, target hunting, you know, there's, it kind of depends. The thing that I've learned about archery is everybody's different and everyone likes customize it and have you know there's not it's not one size fits all it's it's basically you know everyone wants to make it their own yeah you got to kind of be prepared for that
0: yeah my intentions with asking that is just purely because i i just want to ask you um what would you what would you say to someone um that is you know that's coming up to you guys at ata or one of these shows and is like uh what's you know what's what's going to be the main differences if, I shoot, if I'm if i shooting a gearhead or I'm shooting, you know, one of these other guys? Because for, for the most part, the other bows look, you know, pretty similar. Um, the other, you know, companies are pretty comparable. They, you know, they don't have a grip apart from the riser. Um, you know, a lot of them aren't shooting shoot-through risers for all their hunting bows, you know, just stuff like that. So what would you say um, are the main things that makes gearhead different?
1: Well, it, it all starts with our riser. Um, you know, we have two two side plates that, in essence, they're exactly the same, and, and the bow is completely symmetrical. So, basically, by flipping your grip and moving your crossover cables, you can make it a right or a left-handed bow. But it's just, uh, you know, the, it's the construction of the of the two hor- the two side plates with horizontal members that creates a shoot-through riser structure that is just very rigid robust stout I mean it's just it's really a sturdy riser and you know if when you're drawing a ball if a riser flexes it takes away from the energy going into the arrow the stiffer you can make that riser the more energy that is being transmitted into the into the energy into your into your arrow so you know and it's the thing of it is our history is a robotics company so we make robots that that transfer materials you know three shifts um 365 days a year, you know, with, with very little problems. And, w- and what we saw is, is when we loaded these, these structures up with heavy loads to be, be transported, we weren't getting a whole lot of flex or torquing of the, what we call them with LBDs. It's a linear belt drive. And they weren't really twisting or torquing. And we just, you know, we were into designing bows at, the, at that point, And it was just something that we, we thought it would lend itself well to a, to a riser. And, um, and it's not like it's just bolted together. Our risers. It's actually a boss and pocket design. So if you look at the thickness of the side plate, the horizontal member bosses um, go into the side plates about half the thickness, and then it gets it gets bolted up with a with a flathead bolt, and it just creates this really strong structure that looks much like a bridge. You know, I mean, the, it might look weird in that, but if you're driving down the street now, you can look around and you see these old train bridges, or you know, cell towers or cranes and stuff like that. The structures. You know it, from an engineering standpoint you look at it, you can see it's meant to take heavy loads without you know deviating so that's you know so that's mm-hmm. kind of our basis is is our riser, and then from there you know it's just it's a matter of limbs and cams and stuff that that other boat companies have, but the, you know the the main difference would would be our riser and and that's kind of what our patents are around as well so i mean it's and and, and then you it just shoots exceptionally well i mean it's just from the lack of noise and hand shock and, and the, you know, the, the way that the cams are designed with the big Vaheli and stuff, it just, it's mm-hmm. just a really nice shooting bow.
0: Yeah, and, and it seems to be, most of them seem to be pretty fast from, you know, what I've seen. I haven't got to shoot one. Um, I was looking yesterday, and there's only, I think there's only one or two dealers in Oklahoma, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, and I haven't been to this particular ones. But now, the kind of the feedback that I was getting is I, I kind of took to instagram and facebook um you know just looking for um some insight from people and some bow hunting groups and stuff like that you know it's like hey anyone ever shot shot these bows and that kind of the feedback that i was getting was yeah they do look they do look kind of weird but do net like do don't knock it until you try it because you know the the people that have shot it, i no one had anything bad to say you know about right. the people that have shot it but I think people were so so many people were so skeptical just purely because the different like how different it looks, and mm-hmm. um, you know thank God I'm not one of those people that is judging immediately how it looks because you know I've shot short axle axle bows before and I'm, that I think I wouldn't like because you know I'm really tall and have a really long draw length and those ended up feeling good too so you know what would is that the is that the main um, issue for you guys is a lot of people, you know, discounting what, uh, you know, what you guys have accomplished like your head because of the way that it looks?
1: Yeah, the, the looks that, you know, we also did some silly things in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, look back at our history and, and stuff. I mean, a lot of companies, if they want to make a change in that, they do it over a progression of years where they take they take small steps. So, like, the, the consumer market don't really notice it as much where, you know, like all of a sudden we come out with a shoot-through riser, you know awkward looking bow and it's just like it's kind of like people like whoa you know no not for me or just it's ugly and you know so you, you get all that but you know the same thing too like when I would go to shows um consumer shows and you know you get people coming by and they're like what is this a kid's bow and, and then I talk me to shoot shooting <laughs> it and the first guy shoots it looks at his buddies they go oh you gotta shoot this you know so and, and then you suck the other people and they start shooting it and you know they're they're all really they're all really impressed at how well it shoots. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I guess that's that's all that matters, but even like in the early days, like the archery archery talk and stuff like that, you know, you get the people that are haters just because of the way it looks. And you know, at first, you know, we were on there and kind of trying to explain what we've done and stuff like that, but in, in the end, they're really not listening or trying to understand. But then as you get bows out there and people start shooting them, the people that are shooting them actually come to your defense so I mean when they see people kind of knocking it and they just tell me, say well you really shouldn't knock until you try it because it does shoot you know exceptionally well and and then you know we, we started getting into the the competition side of things and you know we always tried to we built this bow for bow hunters because that's what we all are we're all bow hunters mm-hmm. and so when we we're trying to you know break into the competition side of things we always focused on the, the bow hunter classes because we figured that's, you know that's your your blue collar worker that's that's out there you know um you're know, doing all the hunting and, and we've done really really well at that i mean the the vegas shoot in the bow hunter class we've we've won it back to back years now and this year we swept the podium with three different models we had a, a t20 four that won it which is a really short axle to axle bow a 24 inch bow Mm -hmm. and then we had a a 40 inch and second and a 30 uh i think a 36 and third but but it's just you know and then we did cincinnati indoor and we've won that back to back you know two years in a row and then uh for the first time we had some shooters at the dakota classic this year and we got first and third um at the dakota classic and these are on the bowhunter class and now the asas are fired up and stuff and uh the last shoot that's in Paris, Texas, we won the Hunter Elite class. So I mean, we're we're performing really well at uh, at high high ends. And you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, it's a shooter," and some people say it's a bow. It's it's a combination of both. I mean, you need you need people shooting that got good skills, but you know, you know, those people also want to shoot good equipment. So mm-hmm. you know, and they and if you if you like what you shoot, you know, they're you're going to shoot it better. Um, case in point, the the first year I went to Cincinnati. Uh, indoor nationals there was this um this family that came up their their daughter had competed and um i don't know what else she what other bow she was shooting but she finished like 34th and they were interested in getting a gearhead just because they were intrigued by the design and that so at the next asa i i dropped off a loaner bow that she could just see if she liked it and then i picked it up on the way back and then after a week they said oh we got to have one so i they bought one i sent it down to them and and um, she's podiumed every event this year, and she actually uh, won um, national championship for the indoors for the high school uh, girls' pins, and then she's been, she's been really consistent in, in winning most of her events. So, I mean, it's just something that, it's like, yeah, she's, she's developed into a really good shooter, but, you know, was, but she likes shooting the bow. And because you like shooting the bow, she shoots it more, so then her skill level increases.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. So,
0: no that's i was really intrigued to see that you guys had target bows um right like that right. that was kind of i i saw you know on your socials that you had had some people podium like podiuming like you said and i was just like this is this is really intriguing that they're they're using this as a target bow so that that one kind of caught, caught me off guard a little bit
1: well that that was our our founder paul Trupolsky. he you know, we were always into the hunting stuff, and and when we designed the bow, we were into backpack style hunting, like going in five miles, and so that you know, the smaller the better, the most minimalistic the better. But then, um, a few years ago, he went to the Vegas shoot, and, and he was actually shooting with the T 18 inch and he's competing at the, at Vegas with that. But he just saw there was a demand for the on the target side for a, a longer axle to axle bow. They they liked the 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 less acute string angle and, mm-hmm. and and things of that nature. So with our platform, it's really easy just to elongate the, the side plate, and a lot of your internals stay the same, and it's just a matter of um, uh, maybe adding a few more internals so your structure um, stays as rigid as, as it should be. And um, so actually to create a, a longer ATA, AT, wasn't that difficult. It's just a matter of you know finding what the people wanted and, and creating something that your customer uh, desires.
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe we could talk about the uh, the sh- the shortest one you guys have. It, and I was looking at one. I think it was 24 inches. I think that's mm-hmm. what it was. We actually
1: have two shorter than that. We have a we have a 20 inch and we have an 18.
0: Okay, so yeah, so from someone that's hunting, so I shoot a 28 inch axle to axle bow, and for me being like six three it seems small it does seem really small and it is but it is a shooter and i really do enjoy it but you know from a hunting perspective i think you touched on it a little bit but what is what's going to be the advantages of having literally an 18 inch bow like going out like hunting you know And, and are these things powerful enough um can generate generate enough energy at eighteen inches to you know to kill a moose or an elk or a caribou or someone that wants to bow hunt you know all these big game in North America.
1: Well, well, one guy actually has killed two moose with the with the T twenty out of Alaska, and he's shooting that at I believe uh, sixty five pounds, and, and you've got twenty nine inch draw. But in our catalog, I got a couple pictures of every year he sends me a picture of a moose, you know, mm-hmm. that he's shooting with that. Um, and then we got a few people that have shot uh buffalo with a 24 inch um so you know it just comes down to you know placement, kinetic energy and, and things and things of that nature but um you know a little bit of our history i mean we started out the first bow we came out with was a, an 18 inch axle bow, and and it had a fixed draw length of 25 inches well if you're a 29 inch well, now you got to use an extended release or you got to use an extended d loop to get you back to your anchor point. Mm-hmm. And you know when we came out that was that was a mistake on on our part just because um, you know, a lot of people now when they think of gearhead, they think, oh, it's a really short bow. Well, you We got to use these these long releases or extended d loop, and you know there's a lot of pushback on that. but you know that's that's not the case anymore we We did some cam work in that, and now you can. You can get an 18-inch bow that uh, has draw lengths out to um, about 28 and a half inches, you know, from 25 out to to 28. Actually, I think we, we can go 24 on on the low end, mm-hmm. on the 18. And, you know, so we have draw lengths with cam-specific um, bows all the way out to where people can use whatever um, release that they would like to use. So we we've, we've really made some good advances in, in that but from a hunting standpoint an 18 inch bow I mean just think of that in a ground blind or, or you're sitting in your tree stand and normally you have to you hang your bow up and now it's, you got something that's half that size that you can sit on your lap and the deer comes in it's just less movement you're just you have it on your lap you can just rotate it and shoot and you know so there's from a hunting standpoint there's a lot of advantages being smaller and from an accuracy standpoint I mean they're, they're just as accurate as you know any anything else I mean it just comes down a little bit to you and your technique and practice but I mean a bow is just a machine that repeats and um you know some people worry about the axles to axles being small to being um not as forgiving or being a little you know a little torquey but uh, again with the with the um design of our bows and that I mean everything is is centered so um if it move a little bit the, the movements over the rotation of the the arrow where if you know, maybe you have a shelf rest or something you're a little bit high a little bit low and you, you move a little bit, uh, the degree that you're off is magnified a great deal. So I mean, there's, there's definitely advantages to the to what we have
0: mm-hmm. from a hunting
1: standpoint.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely I think so. I think I was watching a video of, uh, of one of your earlier models because there was this guy that I, um, I was watching and he was hunting axis deer in Lanai mm-hmm. in Hawaii, and he yep. had like a uh, he had like a four inch long D loop. And I was like, "This yeah. does not make any sense to me." Like, I, I just, I could not wrap my mind around why he did. And I was, but, anyways, I mean, that makes perfect sense. What you guys were saying, you guys were saying, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it
1: that's that's something that you know that was very early on. And again, you can use, you can use any. You know, we make draw lengths to fit anyone. Right. The the, the thing about the extended D loop though, that kind of helped was we have a long D loop like that. If you put like side pull on your string in that, you're just you're pulling the, the D loop, it actually di- kind of divorces you a little bit from the draw cycle. It kind of decouples it from the string a little bit. You do, I found that I shot, um, so we had an extended, uh, release and we also, you could have an extended D loop. I actually shot the extended D loop a lot more accurate than the release because I could actually, I could actually bring it into my face a little bit tighter. And
0: mm-hmm. I, I anchored up a little bit more solid with the
1: D loop than I did with the, with I did with the release. So I, I shot it a lot better. But I mean, right now I, you know, I'm a 29 inch draw, and i i shoot I shoot a bow that's got 29 inch draw, so it's
0: not you know that's kind of old news, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> stuff, yeah. Anyway. Something funny to look back on. What uh What are the dimensions on what is so? To me, I know you guys are using aluminum, and that tends to be pretty light. But um, from my perspective, the bows look you know initially look pretty heavy. So what would a, uh, if I'm going to be shooting, you know, a 32 or a 30 inch bow, which would be right around where I'd want to be, um, an axle to axle length, what is something like that going to
1: weigh? Uh, aluminum, it's going to be around, uh, about four pounds. Uh, if we make it in carbon, it's about three, 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 I guess on the, on the carbon side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I mean that's they they do I get that comment a lot too where they like they pick it up and they're like wow it looks a lot heavier than what I thought you know it, it's it's basically removing you know the material of what is not needed to end up with the part that you consequently you know use um, but also too like the materials it is aluminum but it's also the it's 7075 grade aluminum which is like twice the tensile strength and twice the fatigue strength of your 6061. And then we hard code anodize it. That kind of puts an armored shell around it. So it, it really all those little things you do really helps in building up the stiffness of the riser. You know, it, it really it does make it almost like a tank type of a type of a riser.
0: That's good to hear that they're uh, that they're light because I mean they do look they look like a tank and I know they're not. I mean, there's no way you guys are right. shooting a 12 pound yep. bow. It's just. Like I said, I haven't even I haven't even got to put my hands on one in person. so that's why I was just so intrigued by it. I was like, I see a lot of people shooting it. It's like, and, and, and I really it makes me really want to shoot one too. <clears throat> our,
1: our target bow is like this year we came out with the B series. So you know the T series that we originally came out with, um, it had no adjustability to it. We would actually build it to what you wanted. So like if you're a twenty nine inch draw, I know that that that'd be a five cam and then whatever weight you are, that's the, the limbs we put on, and, and that's, that's what you have. Um, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. If you, in the off-season, you want to crank it down a little bit and not shoot as much weight, or, or you know, maybe it gets to be cold and you want to crank it down a little bit, it didn't give you that option. Um, so this year we came up with the, the B-Series, which is a totally adjustable bow. You can literally change your draw length with a rotational mod on the cam, you know, four 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 and a half inches. You can change your brace height with a lot of companies that's a different bow, but with our slider grip uh, option um, that they come with, you can actually uh, move your grip back an inch and a quarter or forward uh, a half inch, so it gives you an inch and three quarters of brace height adjustment, which is in essence also a draw length adjustment. Mm -hmm. And then of course you you can change your draw your draw weight, you can move your handle left to right to take the the bow torque, um, your grip torque out, and it's just, it's got a lot of really cool features that, you know, even, you know, even we're kind of discovering a little bit more every day that, that, you know, this bow is probably the most adjustable bow, you know, ever produced really from an aspect of, you know, what you can change on it. And that was, that was done more, you know, for the dealers because the the T-Series were so non-adjustable. That you know, with our colors and all the different options. I mean, we had like seven thousand SKUs. Yeah. And you know, if you're a dealer, and you know as well as I do, you go shopping for a bow. You want to leave with a bow. You don't want to hear, "Well, I can have you one in a couple of days." You want, you want, yeah. You want to go. You got money in your pocket. You want to go get a bow. You want to go home with the bow. And 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 that's what we. So that's what we end up designing with the B series. So anyone that can walk into a bow shop can be set up to go home that day with that bow. And, and consequently, we moved the T-Series to our online store where we can actually now build a bow for you, and it has the right draw length and the draw weight and all that. If you know all the stuff that you are, we can actually just build a bow for you, and, and we just we have that on our website, but the, the B-Series is strictly a, a pro-shop-only bow.
0: So you do have the ability to, someone was like, I want to, you know, get one with certain limb colors and certain riser, riser colors, different grip. You have the ability to do that on your guys' website?
1: Um, on the website they're they're pretty much you we can we can build whatever as for the limb colors and that, you know, they all come with limb shield which is a rubberized coating okay. um for protection on the limbs. Uh they pretty much all come in black. We do have some dipping options and things of that, but you know, that would that would be a follow up call, not just uh not just doing it online and, and I don't even hear from you. That that'd be like a call to the company and say, Hey, I would I would like this as a is an upgrade or something like that mm-hmm. you know, from from a color from a color standpoint because we got you know, in house dipping and, and all that and then on the, the B series for your target models we actually do a Cerakote in some different colors for uh, for the target models.
0: Okay, so I would love to talk about uh, the crossbow for a minute, the crossbows that you guys okay. have because um, so you know what's the what's been the feedback on those? I, I actually didn't even know you guys had a crossbow until i was i was talking to some people on facebook and uh they were like yeah if you guys i shoot the i shoot their um their compound bows and he was like you know if you if you think they're good you should check out their crossbows because they're they're really good too so maybe you could talk a little bit about you know uh why you guys got into that
1: well so you know as we were traveling around uh pitching our our bow line to different customers matt we had one customer it told us if we came out with a crossbow under five pounds we would own the market you know so and when, when we heard that you know we're all engineers and you know we got people that are always thinking of what what can you do and you know, with our design of you know side plates that marry up to horizontal members and just creating this like superstructure you know we're like oh what could what could we do so we ended up designing um one out of all carbons carbon side plates uh, carbon riser the whole thing and um all stripped down we got it down to four and a half pounds and um and then the aluminum version was a little bit about a pound something more but um so that's how that was what got the ball rolling into the crossbow market and you know what our initial thought was taking our t18 bow and turning it horizontal and making it into a crossbow that way maybe have uh maybe have a a bow crossbow combo that could be either way it could actually be a bow or a crossbow just basically how you bolt it up but what we found is when you put the t18 horizontal you bolt it up to something as you pull it into the trigger box with the loads you know your your riser part would like to roll back a little bit and we needed to create a structure to actually tie that in to the stock portion so we we designed that to actually make it um, is it bolted together so it, it kind of took away from the idea of, of having a bow be a bow and a crossbow. Uh, so we, we designed that and um, went to market with that there with a, um, with a purchase trigger box. And then um, it's actually a Darton trigger box at the time, I think it was the same one they are also putting into the, to the Mission crossbow line as well. Um, so then I started shooting these ASAs uh, in the crossbow class. And, you know, from my standpoint, it was a really good learning experience. So I, I show up and I'm, I'm shooting for a rest. I got a whisker biscuit out front and I'm shooting this other trigger box. And just, you know, and then, and, and I just found through evolution, I was just changing things to make it shoot better and better and better. And the neat thing about our crossbows is they shoot arrows, they don't shoot bolts. So basically the same arrow that I was shooting out of a bow, I could knock it on the string of our crossbow and I would actually shoot the same arrow well that allows you to ch- uh, play with your spines and stuff like that where if you want to shoot maybe a heavier spine or, or something like that nature um and then i started playing with some different rests so i went from a whisker biscuit to a to a bow doodle and i even played around a little bit with a fire knock and and you know all made it better uh but the neat thing about it is, is using that rest out front you can actually paper tune your crossbow so you can actually move your rest left right up and down and you can actually get it to shoot a bullet hole and stuff like that through paper. So it allows you some, some real good tunability um, at that point. So uh, currently we're um, across both, they gained a little bit of weight over the last couple of years. I think we're up in about the six and a half to 7-pound range now. Yeah. And um, But that's, you know, a lot of people, too, when you're shooting the target, they actually don't mind having more weight as long as they have it in spots that they like it for balancing and holding. Because in the competition, you know, you think... Shooting a crossbow, oh man, this is going to be easy, piece of cake. Well, two things. One is you have to hold it. There's no rest or anything involved, so it kind of handicaps you, you know, that way. And um, it's just it's it's harder than what to stand and hold. I mean, like shooting. It was very humbling. Let's just put it that way. I was I was just uh,
0: you know good to shoot uh, the crossbow crossbow class, but um, it's
1: <laughs> one of those things. It, if you look at the the scores, so let's say that you have the vertical bow and they're shooting like a known 40, or the crossbow shooting a known 40. The vertical bows will always, always shoot, their scores will always be better than the crossbow ones just because you have to hold it and be steady. Where, it's, where if a bow, you have opposing forces where you're you're holding weight forward in in your one hand and you're pulling it back with the other. It allows you to balance it out a little bit where the crossbow, you're just kind of holding it.
0: Yeah. So, no, That's funny. I, I, When I was shooting a tournament last year, I... I, that was the first time I had seen people competing with a crossbow, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, he's shooting a crossbow," and I'm like, "Those things are heavy, like, yeah." And when I, I wouldn't want to be holding like it'd be like shooting your rifle, you know, just standing <laughs> up, like it's you know seven or eight pounds, and you throw a scope on and all that stuff. And I, I'm not knocking anyone that wants to shoot a crossbow at an event. It was actually pretty cool to to see that, but yeah, that's interesting. You're so you guys' crossbow can shoot. You said it could shoot an actual, um, like, an arrow and not, not just yeah, a bolt. Knocked, a knock, a
1: knock, yeah, a knocked arrow. Um,
0: That's so I, interesting. Uh,
1: I've been shooting the Gold Tip Pro Hunters because I like their knock. They have a little bit more pliable knock, and I like how they, they release from the string a lot cleaner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then, you know, you've shot, you know, Gold Tips, Black Eagle, basically about anything. And just the, main, the main consideration when shooting an arrow out of a crossbow is the knock, because if they're a little bit wider, a little bit, you know, when you move the, the trigger from safety to fire, um, that mechanism sometimes can push the knock off the arrow, which results in mini dry fires, and over the yeah. course of one or two, it'll actually blow the string off. So that that's probably the biggest thing that people need to get used of. And people work on a lot of crossbows, and they go from like um, the traditional ones to ours. You know, sometimes they're so used to bumping the bumping the arrow into the string, where on ours it, it literally has to knock onto the string. So, right. it, you know, it's just, and sometimes it's hard to see all that when it's into the, the trigger box. Now, I, I usually, you know, I look every time I turn my crossbow on side and I slide it in and make sure it's knocked, and I'm, I am never have problems with uh, mini dry fires or anything. But um, we also, too, we, we put, it, um, on our production model, we have an upgrade trigger box on our crossbows. It's, it's a trigger tech. So it's got like a 2.1 pound trigger with no creep so i mean when you get onto your spot and you put your finger on the trigger all you gotta do is snug it up and that arrow is on its way there's there's no there's no creep in the, the trigger box at all it's it's really it, it's really a crisp nice trigger and i guess we didn't you know we didn't look at shaving costs on that we just wanted to make the best crossbow that we could
0: make and that's right. We ended right no yeah when i i was looking at it and i i was just like man that that looks extremely expensive just it's so intricate and like you know really I think I think you guys design and um, with the risers and you know the engineering feat that you guys have overcome I think it looks really really good on a crossbow mm-hmm. like right. you throw it instead of being vertical you throw it horizontal like and it just looks it looks really natural on a crossbow right so yeah yeah so hats off to you guys on that one I, I really like that I probably won't be in the yeah, market I mean- for a crossbow but I I, I really do like yours
1: I mean, you can you can go to our website. I did a I did a shot through the shop here last winter where I got uh, I got three three arrows touching at 100 yards. And I don't I don't think you should ever shoot at an animal at 100 yards. And it wasn't just a lot of people are got this 100 yard you know mark that they they lay out there and
0: so yeah. I just wanted
1: I just wanted to see what we could do. So I went up I went up second balcony with our lead sled and I put the target out you know down through the machine shop and through the tunnel and made sure all the doors were. Marked and locked, saying uh, Skip shooting at 100 yards. Please do not come in. And I was, I videoed a, a segment, and again, it's on our website. Where I got three, three arrows touching at a, at 100. I think the, the outside shaft, outside shaft is like under five eighths of an inch of three arrows. Oh wow. I mean, so
0: it, that's it awesome. It leaves them in there. Yeah. No. That's that's awesome. I'm. I mean. I'm. That's something I would definitely, you know, recommend to my dad. You know, because he's someone that. Um, you know, he works works a ton, doesn't want to, you know, put the time into practice with a compound bow, which is, you know, that's fine, um, but wants to extend his season in archery. And, um, you know, maybe that would be something that he'd be interested in. So there's definitely a room, there's room for it. And uh, I really, really like what you guys did with it.
1: I, I use it a lot in mentoring kids for turkey hunting because a lot of them, you know, with these 12-gauge shotguns with the turkey loads and they have maybe have a smaller frame in that. You know, the, a lot of them get really afraid of the recoil. You know, they, they develop flinches. And I had one young girl one time and we shot and we went, we went turkey out and had turkey come in. And, and she goes, I don't want to shoot. And it was more for, because of the recoil,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
1: So, so um, you know, the last, uh, uh, I had a couple kids that I've, I've taken the crossbow out there and that's worked really well just because you can put it in. Um, like one of those Caldwell um,
0: sleds, and just let it sit there. and Then they can
1: kind of just get behind it and yeah. put
0: the crosshairs on
1: the on the turkey, and and there's no recoil for them. It's just matter squeezing the trigger once once you get the scope on it.
0: That's awesome. Oh, so. awesome! So many so many different ways you can use it. I think kids is a good one too. That's what my little brother. I have a little okay. brother that's he's I guess he's eleven now, so he's getting a lot older than I remember. But um, he uh, that's what he he and my dad do that all the time. Like they they go out and you know he wants to bow hunt and you know he doesn't have a bow so they go out with a crossbow and you know mm-hmm. he he likes to shoot deer with a crossbow and like i see it happening more and more and it's it's so cool because i see a ton of like you know little kids mm-hmm. that would only be able to hunt you know november 15th through the 29th you know during rifle season mm-hmm. but they're out hunting october through january and it's just it's when the weather's better yeah when or the you know, know it's not cold yeah. and they can enjoy it a little bit more yeah. and I don't know. It's just super cool to see that.
1: I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of a traditionalist too. You know, I, I shoot longbow, I shoot compound, I you know, I just. The main thing is, you get older. It's about the quality time you spend outdoors, and if you know, if you, it it takes someone to shoot a crossbow and they're still having the quality time outdoors, I can't fault anyone on that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's I'm going to be in that same place someday as well.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, just a little bit more on the personal side. I just I like to ask people, especially people you know that I get to talk to about archery. Like I get to talk. I got to talk to Cobra Archery and I, uh, the owner of Cobra Archery and a few Expedition and a few more bow companies. But you know, why is why is archery um, why is archery hunting archery and hunting um, you know, from a career perspective and just uh, as a hobby or a way of life, why has that been so important to you?
1: Oh, from a young age, I was like twelve. I got my first garage sale bow, and it's just <laughs> something about it. It was like an old bear uh, recurve. I wish I still had it. I, I bought it at a garage sale. So when my mom and dad had a garage sale, I sold it at a garage sale. But right. Oh, I give anything to have that. I give anything to have that thing back. No you know, being where I am today versus, you know, back then. But, you know, just something about a stick and string and, you know, like when I was a kid, you played play cowboys and Indians, I was always the Indian, you know, I was, I, I was always drawn to that stick and string type of a thing, you mm-hmm. know. And um, and then as my I grew up and my career's progressed, I got into machining and, you know, I had a lot of machining jobs and, and stuff like that because as a machinist, it's kind of cool how you can take a raw piece of metal and by taking away the material you don't need, you end up with a part that's usable. So, I mean, you can just, it's just, it's a really cool occupation to have, you know, and that, so that's kind of, you know, what it is. But I mean, I've, from a hunting standpoint, it's something that our families grew up doing. It's something that's been ingrained to in me from a very young, young boy. And I, I think some of it too, you know, nowadays they have all these kid seasons and stuff. And I think it's really great. But when I was young, growing up, they didn't have that. Yeah. And I, I wasn't able to go hunting until I was 12 years old. And my parents never let me go with my dad at that age, too. I mean, my dad's like, no, nah, no, nah, you got to wait till you're old enough and stuff. But, uh, you know, and they didn't have cell phones back then, so there was always this, this waiting where dad's out hunting and your you know, mom's. I drove her nuts running around the house. When's that coming home? When's that coming home? You think he got one? <laughs> you know, just all these yeah. the random questions the kids kids have asked and then and then when you come home, just hearing the stories of close encounters with deer or even sitting next to the creek and having a muskrat swim by or a squirrel run across the toe of your boot, it just to me it just seemed like this mystical, magical place that I was just kind of drawn into that, you know, that, just really appealed to me. And as I got older and I got to go hunting and I got to all these experiences of being outside with nature and, and stuff. And like everyone, you know, a lot of people, the antis and that is all about, oh, you're killing this and killing that. It's like, you know, there's nothing to do with that. I mean, I remember sitting in a tree and having a red-tailed hawk land in branches above me with a with a squirrel in its talons
0: mm-hmm. looking at
1: me, you know, as I got my mask on and looking at me like, what are you, you know? And it's just it's just things just being out there sitting and thinking and it's, it's just your downtime, and you know and and now with the technology still changed. because now I go to the woods it's like I'm playing on my phone and stuff I actually think it's a little bit better before but it right. the time definitely goes faster with your phone <laughs> than it, mm-hmm. it does thinking back to like in the 80s and stuff when I was just sitting in a tree because you keep looking at your watch and it's like 15 minutes took forever and now, when you're sitting in a tree and you're you're playing on your phone and stuff, it's like a half hour goes by really fast, you know. Right. So, but anyway, that's just I, there's something about you know I, I think that's that's our that's our common thread, you know, our brotherhood or whatnot. is just those are the those are the moments that we all we all thrive for and we love to tell the stories, you know. Yeah. We, we love to create these memories with with friends and 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 as we get older, we just we can look back on them with. With you know everything that we've we've done and, and the good
0: stories that it creates for us. Yeah, that's that's awesome. No, I, I've I've been hearing this narrative recently of just uh, it's like a story of heritage. Like my ancestors were hunters and gatherers, and like there's something barbaric and like <laughs> um, you know primal in me that wants to go do that too. And like like you said, like getting away and stuff like that. And so. It's it's awesome. It is it is that to me. And I've always I'm always interested in, in talking to people that do this for a career and I, I wonder, you know, one of my so I I'm only I'm only twenty two, so and I graduate from college and this you know, this Saturday, so that's exciting, but I'm always wondering, you know, does it dilute the enjoyment of the outdoors by being in it, you know, not, not only as a hobby but as a career. Well,
1: since I'm so like I'm so in the gearhead now. I actually don't hunt as much as I used to. and It, it does. I mean, Jason, uh, one of our production managers in the in the plant, we have the conversation a lot. It's like we don't think as much about hunting as we used to. Like if I'm working a regular a regular job and it's not in the hunting industry, when I get home, I'm thinking about hunting. I'm thinking, about, oh, okay, where am I going to go, Colorado this year? Or, what about Wyoming? Or, you're, mm-hmm. you're thinking. I mean. Now that you're building bows and you're trying to come up with new technologies and you're, just, you're growing your brand, I honestly don't think that much about hunting anymore. And I don't hunt as much as I used to. So that's, that's the negative side of it mm-hmm. where, you know, it, and Jason, Jason's the same way. He goes, I just don't have the drive like I used to. And I think it's because we're. it's a part of us every day. And it's, a, it's about every thought of every day. And, you know, just... Um, just trying to find ways to get get that back
0: because I, I definitely miss it. Yeah. And um, I
1: I just, I don't know what the, the, the answer is, but I even told my wife, it's just like, you know, I, <laughs> some days it's like, you know, I remember I liked it better when I was working for this machine shop and stuff, and I can actually just plan my, you know, my vacations and stuff around that because. I also, another misconception about, you know, owning a bow company, running a bow company, you think when bow season would open that you'd, you'd have this free time that you could go hunting. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh. No, it gets stupid busy because now you're trying to keep everyone else in the woods and, and getting people bows and equipment and stuff like that. So now it's like, it's like you're just helping, <laughs> you're just helping other people go hunting while you're sitting back in the shop making things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's so funny. that that
1: was that was a misconception on my part. I was thinking I was gonna have all this freer time once the bow season starts, but it seems people are buying bows later and later every year now. Where you know sometimes the season's open and they're they're buying bows. Where back when I was younger, it's like I bought my bows in May and June, and I would practice all summer long preparing for the for the fall hunts and that. And it just seems like I don't know people got other things going on. Everyone's busy now. I mean, yeah. you know, the kids and
0: softball or baseball and it just it seems like everyone's life is it seems like it's a little more busier than it, what it used to be right and but anyway i'm just rambling yeah no that's that's i i agree and, and i mean i bought a bow this year on i think it was no yeah it was four days into the season i had one break on me and i was going on an antelope hunt and uh I was like, I am not waiting, you know, because you 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 got a bow break. They're like, oh, send it in, we'll, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll fix it and mail it back to you. You pay the ship, all this stuff, and I was like, no. So I I went I went and bought like a twelve hundred dollar bow right before a hunt. So I definitely could see how people are buying bows and stuff. And and we got we're in this world now of everybody's got to have the new bow. And when the new bow Mm -hmm. comes out, everybody's getting the new bow which is really really interesting to me because I grew up shooting bows that weren't even the right draw length for me. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just shot what my uncle right. gave me or what my dad had. So it's an, we're living in a shot very good
1: too. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you, you you modified your anchor point or you modified the way you stood and you you shot them well.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean I had I had to. I went I remember going to you know, to hunting camp out in the mountains and everybody's shooting the, the new Matthews. This is like in 2012 and stuff. And so everybody's shooting the, the single cam Matthews. I got an old, old Jennings and I, I'm a 38 plus inch draw and I'm shooting, you know, a 27 inch draw and I, a really long D loop and a really long release. And I just, I, I, it was just about being out there. It wasn't about, you know, having the new bow and having this and that. And like, it's funny because I think I've killed more deer with my the cheapest bow I ever had. I killed the biggest deer. It was like a $200 bow. and So, I mean, right. it is it is what it is, but sometimes I think... Then, another
1: trend I've noticed too is, you know, back in, in my younger days is, you know, I'd buy a bow and I would shoot that bow for four or five years and I'd put it back in a box and it'd go in my closet or under the bed or something. And that was my bow. I You know, it just seems now people buy bows, they'll shoot them for half a year and then they'll put them on eBay or someplace and they're not they're not connected to their their bows anymore. There's no there's no personal connection though. They'll, they'll buy and sell them, you know, easy, you know, just yeah. and I I just I always other than that recur my first recurve at age 12. I mean, I think I still have all of my bows. I just I just kind of kind of hang on to them. They're they're a part of me. I, this is the bow I killed this with. Or this is the bow that I went here with. It just, you know, it's part of your your history a little bit. And I just think nowadays it seems like people have no problem you know, buying and
0: selling them every six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like about having a new toy, and I've seen, I literally, I see it all the time of people, in all these groups, all these selling groups, and it's just like, well, I've only got fifty shots through it. You know, who wants it? Basically, right. brand new. I'm like, why? You just, you just lost four or five hundred dollars, and you're trying to sell it loaded for like what you paid for it with nothing, and I'm like, you're losing. So I don't understand. Like, right. like, like, it goes back to what you said. It's, it's every bow is going to do what you want it to do if you're, if you're consistent with it. If you practice with it, that has held true for me in whatever bow I shoot. And it's like I see these people that are shooting, you know, their bow from 2008. Like my uncle, he still shoots a Matthews DXT. I don't know why. It's really old. You know, he puts a new string on it every couple of years, but he says I just like it. I've killed, you know, 160 inch deer with it. I. I enjoy it and it works for me so
1: unless, unless something breaks on that bow, he'll probably keep shooting it you know like maybe he leaves it in his car in the too hot and the limbs get all yeah messed up or something as long, and, as, long as nothing happens to that bow he'll probably keep shooting it <laughs> probably. Yeah. you know that's just how it, you know i don't need anything i got i got what you know i look at some of the things too. i'm i'm using a cat quiver for all my hunts that thing is i bet it's 30 years old. I mean, if there's a Quiver company out there trying to make money off of me, they're, they're not going to make <laughs> it cuz I've used this same Quiver for 30 years, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you just buy quality quality products and, you know, you just you're set, you know? And it's I guess I'm just yeah, but then you get the others it's like it's almost like they think it's the product that makes their success. And a lot of times your success comes from between your ears. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the product is You know, like I said, our bows are a machine that are meant to repeat
0: over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that's That's what it is. I've learned that so, so quickly. I I thought, thought, you know, there is a positive correlation with how much money I'm going to spend on a bow and how good I'm going to be with it and i i realized and i kept telling myself you know when i get the single pin sight, you know when i get the right stabilizer you know when i get right, the drop away rest i I'll, I'll be this and you know every piece is gonna help me and they and they do a little bit but mm-hmm. you know when i i got my a thousand dollar bow and at 40 yards i airmail one i'm like these do it too every every <laughs> single one of these bows is gonna it's it's just a it's an extension of the operator I all all it is is going to do whatever habits I have, however I shoot is just going to be replicated into this bow. And you could take you could take the best I mean the best shooter in the world, and that's why you see a bunch a bunch of these shooters that you know they pro staff for one company or and then they move to the next and they shoot just as good, and they're still winning they're still winning all these titles and this and that. And I've have just noticed that the bow and, and that's that's something that's euphoric about it too is that it is just an extension of myself. It isn't much. It is a stick and a string, but there's so many different ways that we can manipulate that, and that's just something I've I've learned is, you know, it does it does help to have you know the best technology and have the best bow, but that it's not everything either.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, I was oh a, a question I had about you guys' products. I was interested. I saw that you guys had talked about quite a bit that your bows are pretty balanced, and I could see that. And I don't see people running super long stabilizers on it for the most part. And right. I was wondering if you had the ability, if someone wanted to put a back bar on a bow, if you could, or if yep. that's something that you guys don't need to do.
1: No, I've, we got, oh, I think there's at least nine different locations on our bows to put stabilization. You can um, you can put, run it out the front, and then each stabilizer bracket, like, so out the front, is a place for your stabilizer either centered or left of center or right of center mm-hmm. and then there's uh another you can take that exact same stabilizer bracket or get have two you can put it on the back side and you can run back bars Uh um, we another bracket we can put it on the side of the bowl where you can run side weights and stuff like that so you know, it basically we give you options to you know customize it to however you see fit or however you like your weight or um, I, I personally don't even have a stabilizer on any of my bows, but I you know, there's there's people that do and um, most of the people that shoot targets and stuff like that they have the long ones out front and then their back bars and yeah. stuff like that. That's that's just the nature of the beast. But from a hunting standpoint I, I just want as small as compact as possible so nothing gets hung up on anything and you know, i just you know, it's just just simple. I keep it simple. Even my sight it's one it's one pin. And uh, yeah. the slider went in. And I just try to keep things simple, so when the moment of truth comes, I'm not second guessing which pin I'm on or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, that's my pin.
0: Right. So what what side are, what single pin are you su- shooting? What's that? What what side are you shooting?
1: Uh, I'm shooting an HHA.
0: Okay. Yeah. On,
1: um, a- uh, they have a real nice slider, and then I have another one on. I actually have a. T twenty four setup up in a T eighteen setup. I like the T eighteen for the turkeys because it's so maneuverable. when mm-hmm. you're outside a blind, and I can actually, you know, I can shoot laying down if I if I need to with that yeah. eighteen because there's just literally. And on that one, I have a fuse slider. But again, that's, it's all they're all sliders that I that I use. One yeah,
0: yeah. I love. I just got an HHA. I think it was about a month ago. I had mm-hmm. I had them on the podcast, and I was talking to them, and like, hey, if you ever need a bow sight, like just let just let me know. And I was like, okay, right. like maybe I'll get a discount or something. And they just sent me a sight, like an Optimizer Tetra. And I was like, I put it on my bow, and right. man, it is it has changed a little, you know, a lot about how I shoot. And it's right. it's so nice to have one bright illuminated pin, something to just focus on. And I just I really really enjoy it. it was- the HHA—they're another company from Wisconsin here. You
1: probably know that, but um, mm-hmm. they also a neat thing for your listeners is that, is they um, the last couple of years, um, they do this honor flight thing. And we've donated a boat to it each each year too, where they have these three shoots in Wisconsin where people show up and buy raffle tickets and things, where all the proceeds goes to the honor flight where we send um, veterans to to Washington, D.C. to visit the, the memorials and things of that nature. So that just tells you a little bit of the type of company for them to spearhead that um, operation and stuff like that to, to send our veterans um, to Washington, D.C. And That's awesome. So if you're from Wisconsin, I think there's still tickets available. I think every bowl manufacturer has donated a bowl, so I mean, there's, there's some really good prizes on the, on the ticket.
0: That's great. So are you guys are you guys are pretty close to Vortex then too?
1: We are, yeah, about maybe uh I can actually see from our they're in Barnavaux, we're in Prairie to Sac and they're on a higher uh, topography and we're on a higher so through our boardroom and that I can almost see about where they're at. You know, yeah. It's so it's 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 pretty close. It's probably it as a crow flies for twenty some miles, I guess.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's there's a lot of a lot of good companies in Wisconsin. That's kind of what I'm learning. So, you guys, you guys have got it going on up there.
1: Well, these cold winters, there's nothing to do. We sit around. We think of what what we can
0: do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, I was wondering if someone wanted to get involved with Gearhead, um, as far as a you know from a pro staffing outlook or you know something like that what could they do do you guys do pro staff what uh, how can they get involved
1: you know we're just learning about pro staff and that most people have come to us uh they either send me an email or something like that and i kind of figure out who they are what they are and what they what they do and things of that nature Mm -hmm. and um you know both hunting and in target shooting and that but we're we're still defining what our pro staff is and what we require of the pro staff person and what what we do for the pro staff person so i mean we really don't have anything etched in stone on that but we're we're still kind of learning we, we have a we have a few people probably 20 i guess 20 yeah. or so but, i mean we're just trying to grow and we know that the pro staff is a good way to grow but you know, right. and also too you get also people say all these things they'll do and then they don't and, yep. <laughs> to, and and then you're trying to monitor all that and it's just more time and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's just, but yeah I mean, that's most most people, uh, either it starts with an email, it's yep. saying
0: hey, yeah, this is who I am, this is what I do, and things of that nature. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. It is a lot to manage, and I get in some of these pro staff groups that, that I've been in in the past, and I'm just like, you know, there's 300 people in here. I don't. There's no way that you're going to be able to tell who posts on social media three times a week. Like, there's there's right. just no way. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So what is, what's next? gearhead that you're excited about what in the future you know gets you gets you out of bed in the morning
1: okay <laughs> that's a good question my wife <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah i'm working on a, I mean, we're working on a couple things for next year's ata show i mean most of the stuff we come out with we we debuted at the ata show um maybe a little bit different design on a on a bow again we we take pretty bold steps and you know we pretty much just bring out what we're thinking about we don't try to transition it over a lot of years Uh, I mean we make the best product that we can make I don't see throwing away last year's model just to bring out another year's model to make someone want to buy something I mean why would that that always confuses me how let's say you have product X that shoots amazing and that but because you're going into next year and your fan base is looking for a new product. Why would you bring out product B that doesn't perform as well as product X? You know, so it's just you know the main thing is just keep the the brand strong and keep producing the best product that you can. And and it, and it is what it is. Um, you know, this year was a big step for us with the with the adjustable bows. We brought out six brand new bows this year that all are full of adjustability. Anything from a from a twenty inch bow up to a forty inch bow. So that was a lot of a lot of advancements, and now I'm working on this. We'll just call it something, because <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, I'm still R&Ding it. And then um, I would like to get into some more of a youth bow to kind of get the the younger generation into used to shooting gearheads, so they actually understand what the gearhead brand is from a younger age. So as they grow older and stuff, it's it's just ingrained in the, in the equipment that they use. Yeah, some kind of. I'd like to get something into that mode as well and then just looking to see how I can improve the, we can improve the crossbow and stuff like that too I mean everything's about taking what you have and seeing what can you, what can you do to tweak something and make it a little bit better
0: mm-hmm. that's so, exciting but
1: no, no no crazy surprises other than if, if I get this one thing to shoot like I think it should shoot there might be there might be a big surprise at, at ATA we'll, we'll see
0: awesome yeah it's it's always interesting talking to people it's like well what do you got coming out? And like I can't tell you that. I'm like, oh, Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I, know I know. I had to ask, though. I had
1: to ask. What, yeah. what, do what do you
0: got? I always get a little, a little, little hint, but uh, yeah, that's all. That's always funny. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to get some, uh, to have a youth bow. Um, you know, if, despite what people might think, the little one, the 18 inch or whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be a youth bow. So that'd be cool to have something specifically just for youth, because I see a lot of people doing that.
1: Well, the thing is, it seems like the younger generation are more—they're more excited about our bows than than. I mean, case in point, where Cincinnati indoors, a family comes around the corner, and the the young boy in the family grabs his dad's shirt and says, "Dad, Dad, it's the Gearheads!" Uh-huh. And he's like all coming over, and his dad's like wasn't as excited as him. But you know, right. it's, it's one of those—it's one of those things that to them they don't have any preconceived notion of this or that. So when they see something cool and they like it they're just kind of drawn to it and they want to know more about it where you know other people it just it's more of you know they're more brand loyal and you know and, and some people like to be a little different and those are the people that we've we've gotten for customers that you know they, they see something new and they're drawn to it but then you got the other people that are more followers and they just like to follow what everyone else is doing so right. Um, again if we if we didn't have something that was different and better we wouldn't even be doing this I mean we we make robotic equipment for other industries, and this is just you know something where our passion is. This is our love. This is this is what we we need to do. This is our calling.
0: So yeah, um, that's,
1: that's where we are.
0: That's awesome. So if someone wanted to you know pick up a bow, um, where could they do that, and where can they keep up with you know the Gearhead story?
1: Um, so our website GearheadArchery.com. Uh, there's also um, I think I got a lead for a
0: a bow shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So maybe that's in your backyard or, yeah. or whatnot on that. I'm about an hour from Roger, Tulsa.
1: <laughs> Roger Raglin has been helping us out with that. So Roger, Roger Raglin shoots, uh, shoots the gear heads. He came on very early on and um, he likes them a lot. And, you know, he's got, he does, bow shop does most of his work in Tulsa. So he's been, he's been working hard to get us in there. But, you know, there's, You to our website. We have a dealer locator where I think worldwide, we, I think we're just over a hundred dealers now but we're, we're growing monthly on that. We keep adding more. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the T-Series are available online, so we can actually build you a bow online with that. Um, same with like the crossbows, and uh, we have some. We make some swing shots too for bow fishing and things of that nature. Um, but other than that, uh, we're just Facebook, Instagram. I guess that's how you, you found us was on Instagram. Yep. And, and hopefully our marketing group is doing their job in getting the, the word out and, and telling the GearHead story. And, uh, and the story continues to do well. I mean, that's where well well, we all have a story. Like I tell someone else, Skip's got Skip's got a few bows. And he's got a story. So yeah. that's kind of when I go to shows and stuff like that, that's just kind
0: of the, the mantra. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to to watch that you know and see you know what you guys come out with in years to come. And actually, I'm really excited to go shoot one. So okay. the uh, the closest shop that I have when i'm around one i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh shoot one of y'all's bows and i, I, I will i got your email now or i got your phone number so i'll, I'll you let do. you know how that goes
1: sounds super
0: yeah but hey man i really appreciate it uh i think that's all the questions that i had so okay. uh that's that's all from my end and i really appreciate you guys coming on i i'm excited to, well, to put, get this episode out
1: I was excited when you reached out to us because I always like doing podcasts because always you never know where they're going to go and the questions are always fun and and I um, can't you know we you can find out a lot about us on gearheadarchery.com dot com and you know if you feel compelled to send an email or anything all the links are there so starting starting a bull company is hard I'll tell you that <laughs> you're, you're fighting you're fighting a, a pretty big climb but you know if you don't have something different you know it's not even worth it so yeah. you know having something different that you know, people people are excited about it. It's 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 a nice journey. You know, mm-hmm. life is a journey, and this this is a pretty good one. So awesome. we're gonna keep keep keeping on.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I I really appreciate it. And when I'm when I'm done with this episode, I will definitely give you guys a link. I'm I'm excited to share it with the listeners. Hey guys, appreciate the listen to the Hunters Advantage podcast.